listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. This is Jen Smiley, and we are here today helping wake the world up to read those labels by bringing on different brands and different people that have different specialties so that ultimately all of you listening can feel your best. So today we have two registered dietitians. Their names are James and Dahlia Marin, and they're truly a powerful couple in the world of nutrition. Now, They are the co-founders of Married to Health, and it's the first 100% plant-based SIBO IBS nutrition program. So welcome, James and Dahlia. How are you? Thank you. you. We're We're good. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're going to have some fun conversation because I have someone on our team. I think, James, you met her earlier, Avery. She is 100% plant-based. So I'm curious because I work with my spouse as well. When you guys got married, were you beginning your health journey? Was health, you know, a priority for you? When we got married, it was definitely a priority. When we met, which was maybe about 13 years ago. Well, 13, yeah, 13 years ago total. Like we were, we were kind of newly on our health journeys. I mean, we both had been on a health journey. And then when we met, we kind of just combined and continued together on that. So it's definitely been a long journey and one with ups and downs. And when we were married, we were definitely on the same page, which is why we kind of got married. And, you know, I like to say like we planted the seed of marriage and now we're watching that kind of tree grow and blossom and bear fruit, but it's definitely a journey and it takes work every day. And, and yeah, I think over the years we've gotten better together as we're reading the research, trying things out, having a daughter who's been fully plant-based and just kind of going from there and tweaking as we go. Wow. And I think, yeah, with Married to Health, I think it started as nutrition and exercise and movement. And we've really just created an intentional space, both in our marriage and in our business of saying we want to show up authentically. We want to talk about the stresses and the struggles and the triumphs and uh, really just create this overall wellness because- Sure, two of the facets are important, but there's so much more that goes into being married to your health and having a spouse and having a partner and really just working to tweak and improve every day. Oh my gosh, beautiful. Y'all have an amazing standard that I'm sure many couples and many people listening envy, you know, they wish they had that. But I'm curious, you said your daughter is plant-based. How old is your daughter and how is that? Yeah, she's seven and a half years old. And even that, I mean, that takes daily maintenance, right? Like we really, her parents are two registered dietitians, right? And besides like running our private practice, we have other dietitians on our team. And, you know, what we do day to day, we really take the time to explain to our daughter because kids are smart. We've had her in the kitchen since, oh my gosh, before she could walk Mm -hmm. and trying different foods and explaining to her and always talking to her like she was an adult and giving her these concepts, whether she could handle them or not. But now she she knows about diabetes and IBS and SIBO and, and all these things that most kids don't. She understands where food is coming from and how special it is. Like we garden 
on a daily basis. And she knows like, wow, that's so special, the soil and, and how food is growing and that connection. So we really tried to instill that in her. And I think above just what we're eating and where it came from, it's teaching her that intentional, intuitive eating as well, because I think that's something that we're going to continue to see is more mindless eating, more distracted eating. Kids these days are busier than ever. Our daughter has, she's in three activities and some kids are in in even more. So something that's so important to us is intentional eating. So we do family meal times together, no devices at the table, no toys at the table, really checking in, asking ourselves, is your body still hungry for more? Or Mm -hmm. did you eat enough? Or what are the needs that your body has today? And just really, really trying to help encourage her make that connection so she can avoid some of the things that we found ourselves doing, even starting at her age. And I have to comment, like I know social media paints this like perfect picture of like, oh yeah, everything's great and we're perfect and our daughter's perfect and she eats perfectly and wonderful. It's like, no, I mean, she goes to school, she's in a wonderful charter school, but still there's still other kids from different families and they're bringing in all kinds of foods or she didn't even know existed, you know, a couple of years ago because she hasn't been exposed to that. So she's learning what a cheese it is and a goldfish (laughs) and like all these different things. It's like, wow, why is that all rainbow colored and looks like the kids are really enjoying it. And so, yeah, it brings a whole new level to this kind of- I'm sure. So I just recorded a podcast with my kids and my team helped write the questions. And when my kids came on, they'd never heard the questions. It was brand new, but nice. I listened to the edited version. I was like, my gosh, my kids knew so much about clean mm. eating. And then I don't even realize how much they know, but I get this question a lot. People say, you know, I might not want to read the labels with my kids or I might not mm. want to eat clean because then it's going to be this obsession. I'm going to create this. I might give my kid an eating disorder is what Mm. I've been told. And I said, listen, if you as a parent don't take your own duty and teach the kid what is right in the right way the food should be, then guess what? Society is going to do it for them. Society is going to tell them, you know, eat less calories, exercise more, watch your fat, watch your carbs and all these things. So I think for all you guys listening, you have a choice. You either teach your kids the right way or the situation America is in now is that our food is super toxic. It is everywhere. It's hard to escape. And the food industry is going to get the child anyway. So Mm. with that being said, I'm curious, are both of you plant-based? Yes, we are. are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's dive into that because I want to know how do you feel about lectins and vegetables? Wonderful mm, so question. So we're just jumping right Ooh, in. Oh, I love here. it. I love it. And uh, I mean, I love it. And and just a comment on the previous side too, just it. really quickly is is yeah. I mean, we definitely believe in a responsibility the individual has. And mm. and I know it's kind of we're all about community and policy and a collective. Like we totally believe in that. But we are also we're trying to spread the message as well as as really being the individual mm-hmm. and even more so getting deeper into gut health, which goes great with this question of your inner ecosystem. Because we're all about like, if you ask anyone, hey, you want to save the Amazon, you want to save your local ocean and your environment, there's all this talk about environment and climate change, et cetera. The most important ecosystem is the one inside of you. Yes. If you are not taking care of that ecosystem inside of you, more specifically your gut microbiome, you are doing more harm to the outer ecosystems than you could ever possibly imagine. So 
what we're really trying to teach families and kids, especially our daughter, is that, hey, you want to save the fishes and save the whales. And she's learning about all the ecology and stuff in school. It starts with what you're eating and what you're putting into the body. And as parents, what you're bringing and allowing into the home. And with that, that segues nicely into lectins, or if you want to add something to that, but... I think just one thing that I have to add is, so then you have the information, but then you have the intention behind the information. Because when I see my patients engaging in disordered eating or just becoming obsessive with things, it's because they've kind of lost their way with intention with their relationship with food. Sometimes they have too much information and they become mm-hmm. obsessive with it. So I think it's, what's your intention with this information that you have? We're seeking to empower our kids. You've taught your kids these things because you want them to be empowered and to make these great choices and to be intentional with the information. And I think if more of us, parents, caregivers, adults did that, we'd have a much different food system and we'd have much different health. And then we wouldn't be hung up on things like lectin. So I'm glad that we're bringing it up. I'm glad we're jumping into it. Let's jump in. Yeah. And tell me this. Tell me this. I wrote it down, but we certainly can kind of segue into lectins if you want. Like why is gut, we can start with, you know, why is gut health important? And Mm. what are the signs for someone to even be alerted they need to address their gut? Do you think that's kind of more first step? Love that. Yeah, I love it. Maybe I'll, and then you can handle the second part of that sure. question. So the simple reason why gut health is important is honestly, I mean, we truly believe gut health is the nexus of all health on the planet. Let me say that again. It is the nexus, meaning it is it is the epicenter of all health on the planet. We're talking about human health, pediatric health. If you love animals, environment, all living creatures, it's going to start with the gut microbiome. And that is because our gut microbiome starts in the environment. We are getting a majority of the gut microbes that we're finding in humans from the environment. So we are literally the environment that is around us. So with that, again, that is where pretty much all chronic disease is stemming from. This is where we're getting a host of issues when it comes to food sensitivities, food allergies. I mean, the list goes on and on, autoimmune disease. So then I'll let you maybe take the second part of that as then what are the signs and symptoms of gut health is you need to kind of maybe focus more on your gut health or what are some of the signs and symptoms of that? Under that big umbrella of things are going wrong with your gut, there are two major sides of it. There's dysbiosis or imbalance of who and what and how much is living in your gut and where. And then dysmotility or lack or affected movement in your gut. So let's dissect the first one. If you have dysbiosis, that can mean different things. Maybe things are living in the right place, Mm -hmm. but they're out of balance. Maybe you have a much higher abundance of the bacteria and other microbes that can generate inflammation. A little bit of inflammation is good. I think when people hear that word inflammation, they worry. Alarms immediately sound. A little bit of inflammation is good. Inflammation literally translates as fire, right? And so a little bit of fire is great. We can cook on it. We can do great things with it. We can roast things on it. We can stay warm next to it. When you start to add too much fuel to the fire, things catch on fire and then fire can become dangerous. It's too big. It's a wildfire. It's sustained inflammation. Yes, right, absolutely. Right. So small amounts 
of inflammation and balanced amount of those inflammatory microbes like bacteria and yeast and archaea, those can be great in their perfect balance. But when there are much more of those and less of the ones that are anti-inflammatory, less of the ones that keep the fire contained, like a lid on a pot or a fireman or a firefighter, then things are imbalanced. And then instead of having this nice, great balance, you're going to have the inflammation symptoms, right? You might have burning. You might have pain in your intestines. You might see that the end product of what they're supposed to be working on for you, your stool, doesn't look like it should be looking, right? I always tell my patients that if your stool is just falling apart or it's coming out as a big blob or you're working really hard to get it out, something might be off with that balance or something might be off with your motility if you're sitting there straining or if you're running to the restroom constantly and your body's either saying, I'm so inflamed or so overwhelmed, I can't even handle having anything in me right now, just get it out and get it out quickly. Or it's saying, I don't have enough of the guys that help me move, or my muscles aren't working properly. My muscles or my nerves aren't working properly to get it out of me in the amount of time that it needs to. So those are two really big signs. If you're having any major change in your bowel movements or in any change in abdominal pain or discomfort, that's something that's telling you, one of those two big things is probably off. Yes. And then to add to that really quickly, we're trying to spread awareness on really the biggest issue we're seeing, especially in, in America and in first world countries, is basically a lack of short chain fatty acids. We're, we're all mm-hmm. having a deficiency in short chain fatty acids. And that goes back to exactly what Dahlia is saying is, if you are lacking in healthy, fibrous plant foods, you are most likely going to be lacking in short-chain fatty acids. This goes to the diabetes epidemic we're seeing. This goes to the obesity epidemic we're seeing. This goes to the cardiovascular disease we're seeing. Number one killer in the United States, cardiovascular disease. And this goes back to short-chain fatty acids. These are made in the colon by our microbes. These are what's called postbiotics. So food is much more than just what we're eating. And, oh, this superfood has this and this has that your microbes then transform it and make even more out of it. One of those being a variety of short chain fatty acids that actually go to different organ systems in our body and make sure those organ systems are functioning properly. So even diseases that you would think diabetes is related to the gut, heart disease is related to the gut. It's all at the end of the day related to the gut. And it all, I mean, in a summary is short chain fatty acid deficiency. Okay. And so the gut is being disrupted hands down by food? Food is one piece of the puzzle for sure. As dietitians, we are very focused on food, but yeah, that's one piece yeah. of the puzzle. What's the others? And I think that food can be a really major piece because it's something that's happening several times a day. There are so many others. I think stress is a huge one stress. that so many people underappreciate because when you are in a stress state, your nervous system is triggered, you're going into that sympathetic fight, flight, freeze, fawn, your body needs to allocate resources to getting you there. You need to be making those neurotransmitters and those hormones to take you there, to keep your heart racing faster, to keep you a little bit more alert and vigilant. So oftentimes it pulls that from your hormones, 
which can help with digestion, but then your digestive tract and the processes that happen within it. So you might make less stomach acid when you're really stressed. Mm -hmm. You might put out less bile, which helps digest fat and other foods. It can affect the function of other organs that surround it, your liver, if it's under different types of stress. So I think stress is so underappreciated. And when we say stress, most of us are talking about mental, emotional stress, but there can absolutely be physical stress that's happening, right? High cholesterol, high blood sugar, chronic pain. Those are also physical stress and injury. And then you want to consider chemical stress. Are you being exposed to something in your environment, your personal care products, certain medications or supplements, pesticides, mold, anything like that in your environment? That's also stress on your body. So you want to ask, is that affecting the way that I'm digesting food? And is that affecting any of my organs like my liver, my pancreas, my gallbladder, my digestive tract itself, and the way that it's able to function? And just to summarize that, because that could be very overwhelming. I mean, the list can go on and on, but really there's three categories, right? There's chemical. I was like, man, how do you guys break this down with your clients? You're trying to figure out a million things. I know. No, this is, this is the breakdown. There's chemical, (laughs) physical, and emotional or, or spiritual, whatever you want to call it, emotional, spiritual. Okay. Those are the three categories. Everything Dahlia just said will fit into these three categories and they're all connected. I mean, I know we categorize them, but in reality, they're all connected. Yeah. Chemical, for example, is all the food, drink, anything chemical. It could be drugs, alcohol, medication, supplements, chemical, physical, car accident, pelvic floor issues, having a baby, anything physically happened to you or or the lack of, right? I'm a couch potato. I haven't moved in 20 years. That's going to affect you. Emotional, spiritual is like Dolly mentioned, the stress, the trauma, abuse, yelling. I mean, all the things none of us have, right? None of us have these traumas, but they affect us, right? And those are the three big, everything will fall into one of those categories. Yeah. Okay. Deep breath. I love it. I know everyone listening is like, man. Okay. So I know you have written a book about gut health. Can you share with me one of your, I guess, good recipes that promotes good health? Yeah. What's a, a favorite? One of my favorites, I'm all about healthy lazy. So I, you know, I'm a working mom, so I'm going to throw things together, but I am such a big fan of fermented foods. We know that fermented foods are so important for gut health. Last year, there were a couple great studies that came out on fermented and probiotic foods that showed four to six servings a day can help support your immune system and support your gut bugs. So I'm a huge fan of getting in probiotic foods. So for me, I love making parfaits out of a dairy-free yogurt. I'll get a cash yogurt. You want to add a little bit of protein to it. So I'll get like a whole food protein powder that has just whole food ingredients. Like one of our favorites is from brand compliment and it's organic almonds and chia seeds and pumpkin seed and pea. So I'll put a, a protein to add some protein to it. And then I'll add whatever flavor I want. I'll put in peanut butter or I'll put in raw organic cow powder or organic peanut butter powder and some fruit. That for me is a great, it has your great fiber. It has your great carbs. It has your great protein. It has those probiotics and then eating it with intention. For me, that's one of my favorite things. And one of the recipes we share in our good gut A to Z ebook. Yeah. 
And in that book, yeah, one of my favorites, it's hard to pick, but I kind of like introducing people to new beans. So one of one of our favorite, and it goes back to like our culture. I say our culture, but Delia is Egyptian. So we have something called the Egyptian breakfast bean recipe. Sounds good. Yeah. In Egypt, they call it fool. And it's amazing. It has tomato and cucumber. It has all like the cumin and paprika and all these beautiful, delicious spices. It's and fava it's fava beans. beans. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, maybe you've eaten fava beans, but you probably never had it like this and for breakfast. And I love to kind of, I like people to kind of just get out of their comfort zone a little bit and go try this. And whether you're having a gluten-free pita or, or a regular organic pita or something with it, it's great. I mean, traditionally, you're putting it in a pita and it's just juicy, flavorful, delicious. And when you're talking about a short-chain fatty acid deficiency, beans are going to supply those prebiotics that your beneficial microbes need to really get those short-chain fatty acids produced and delivered where they should be in your body. So if we can introduce you to a new bean, it's a win for sure. Okay. So I have to add that I do recommend my clients say beans bloat, right? What happens when you put beans and oats in water, they bloat. Often they have phytic acid, lectin. So it's definitely, you know, I tell my clients, Hey, come in, try it for two weeks. See how you feel like give up conventional dairy, get clean plant-based dairy. I'm very pro that, Mm. but I'm trying to help people get to this kind of anti-inflammatory state where they can feel optimal, feel their best. And then it's like, hey, look, then try the beans. If it makes you bloated, if it makes you not feel good, that's your body sign that it maybe doesn't like it. So that brings me to how do you feel about lectins and vegetables? And you're not wrong, right? Like you're, you're essentially kind of bringing people into a form of an elimination diet, right? You're going, hey, let's Mm -hmm. eliminate this because you're not wrong. When depending, and we're seeing this in a lot more people, if you are having that hyperpermeability in the gut, which is now more commonly known as leaky gut. Everywhere. Right? Yeah. Or yeah, it could be from mouth to anus, this leakiness. It can happen in the esophagus. And then you're getting EOE, you're getting that reflux, getting that damage. But essentially... When you are having that inflammation, that leakiness, yeah, eating a bunch of beans, especially if they're out of a can, is probably not going to make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of goes back to the two major parts of that overarching umbrella. Why did you get that leakiness? Is it because you have an imbalance somewhere of who and what is living in your gut? Or is it because they're not moving through your gut quickly enough? I always like to say there are no gassy foods. There can be gassy people. And so if your gut bugs aren't in balance, anything can cause bloating for you, but especially some of these more complex carbohydrates. So beans, for example, they do have a type of long chain carbohydrate called fructans. They do have galacto-oligosaccharides. They have starch. And then they do contain lectins, right? Lectins are a carbohydrate binding protein. And if your gut bugs are off, you might not digest beans the same way that someone else would. They're going to cause gas. They're going to cause bloating. They're going to cause discomfort for you. So I think it's focusing on what can I do to get my gut in line so I can eat beans rather than people cutting out foods forever and saying, okay, it was the beans. Let me just cut them out. An analogy that James often will give is it's kind of like getting into debt and receiving bills to your house. And instead of dealing with them, coming up with a payment system or, you know, working something out where you can get out of debt, it's kind of just like saying, "Mm, I'll just rip them up and they'll keep coming, but I'll just keep avoiding them. But when I want to go buy a house or when I want to finance a car, I'm so deeply in debt, I will not 
get a loan or unless I have all the cash up front to pay for it, I can't buy those things. Your gut is so similar. Your bills that you're receiving, these little signs that your gut is trying to give you are things we want to pay attention to and try to figure out. Are the beans not moving through my body quickly enough? Do I have dysbiosis? And that is why I'm getting these bills from the beans, these symptoms from the beans. How can I address that? You know, there have been great studies on lectins as well. Like I said, they're a carbohydrate binding protein. They also are a great source of antioxidants. And so if you have a healthy, balanced, well-moving gut, Mm -hmm. eat lectins. They can actually be beneficial for your health and have anti-cancer properties. If you don't, figure out why, and then try to reintroduce them. Love it. And then again, context, because it can, you definitely, it's very individualized. I always say we all look like fingers, we're all humans, but as we look closely, we all have unique fingerprints. So, I mean, we do have patients who avoid certain beans or legumes for a number of reasons, but the goal is to reintroduce. The goal is diversity. It's just like in our environment. You, do you want a diversity of, of plants being grown at the farm or just one monocrop, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want diversity of microbes in the soil or just one type of bacteria and forget the fungi, archaea, I mean, everything else in the soil, right? So it's important to have that diversity in that soil, just like you want that diversity in the diet. Think of it as also the ecology or animals as well. You know, you want that diversity in that ecology so that they are having this beneficial effect on the entire environment as a whole. So very, very important. So yeah, that context really matters. Yeah. And I love y'all's analogies. It's super. Tell me, how do you feel uh, since you're plant-based, how do you feel about plant-based foods such as Beyond Burger or Silk Almond Milk, Impossible Burgers, Gardein, Just Egg Spread. What do you guys think about that? So we come at everything from a gut health approach. And in that context, they're not very conducive to great gut health because a lot of these are isolates and concentrates. And you're then asking your digestive tract and your digestive system to really handle a large load of whatever it is. Soy protein isolate, concentrated oils. These burgers are pretty much just that, right? It's a bunch of fat, a bunch of saturated fat at that. Coconut oil, palm oil is what really makes up a a majority of the ingredients. And then you have these protein isolates, pea protein isolate, soy protein isolate. So you're really asking a lot of your digestive tract to break some of those things down. You are hitting on the, hey, what are the first two ingredients? Here at Wake Up and Read the Labels, we hit on, hey, look at everything else. And I always say, if you don't recognize an ingredient, neither does your body. So like you're saying, Dahlia, Hmm. you're asking your body to break down a lot of things. And unfortunately, these products are mass produced. They produce it at a really, really cheap price. That's why it's hard to even compete with them when you do find high quality plant-based foods. Mm -hmm. And it's a bunch of chemicals and it's a bunch of ingredients that are throwing our guts out of whack. Do you agree? I think if you're having them on a really regular basis, it certainly can because we know things like saturated fats, like I mentioned, there have been great studies, really replicatable studies in humans that have shown eating high amounts of saturated fat can induce leaky gut after just one meal. So if you're someone who eats mm-hmm. Beyond Sausage for breakfast, a Beyond Burger salad for lunch, and then you're eating you know, a Beyond Meat or Impossible Burger for dinner you absolutely are then having leaky gut throughout the day. So then when you do sit down to say, I'm going to eat some fava beans like James recommended, that maybe is what causing you to not tolerate the beans. So you want to put that into context. Mm -hmm. It's, 
Yeah, I mean, important to, uh, when it comes to sourcing, like I'm big on the environment as well. I like to look at the big picture and it's like we're moving away from big industrialized factory farms to go to a big industrialized factories that are producing plant foods. It's like, well, what's what are we actually doing here? You know, like, is there another way somewhere on the spectrum of like, completely carnivore or, or lots of meat to then this like vegan processed food. I think there's something in the middle we miss, yeah. right? Where it's like, hey, what about just local high quality whole plant foods? And if you are going to eat a little bit of animals, great, get them high quality. Lots of great studies and more coming out too about like, if you can be like 80% plant-based is a goal. But hey, even if you're 60%, 70%, even if plants are making up a majority of your lifestyle, whatever that looks like, we're big promoters of that because there's lots of great evidence to support that. But again, it might look different for you, right? Depending where your gut health is or other core morbidities or your culture. And so we empathize with that. We really, really want to meet our patients where they are, but taking all this context and like digesting it and sitting with it and going, oh, okay, I don't have to be like this influencer or this person. It's like, no, you're unique, right? And just find what works best for you. Absolutely. Get back to the basics with the food, everyone listen. Okay. This question was not written down, but I, I would love to know how you guys answer this. What do you think about the food pyramid <laughs> of what's suggested to eat? How do you feel about that? And and do they teach that in dietitian school, the food pyramid? We're, we're old enough to still have the food pyramid. And then my plate like the plate that replaced it was just coming out, I want to say. Yeah. Is that right? When we were still in school, they, yeah. the USDA released that my plate. And really, when you look at it, the USDA comes out with its guidelines every five years. And so, you know, they just released them a couple years ago of the, I think it was the 2020 um, USDA guidelines where they set forth these goals for the population. Mm -hmm. And I would say for the most part, if you're actually looking at the plate or if you're actually looking at the pyramid had an upgrade. So the plate is saying, you know, get fruits, vegetables, whole grains, if you're doing that most of the time, okay. But I think it's when people are really not paying attention again to the quality. If you're saying like Wonder Bread is a whole grain, no, it's not. It's a highly refined grain. So I think the recommendations as is at their base are fine. There's a lot of industry funding, which is why you see dairy. You know, Make sure that you include dairy with every single meal. That's not necessarily based on your needs for health as a human, that is based on the fact that the Dairy Council is a huge contributor and a huge lobbyist of the USDA and contributes a lot of funds to getting those guidelines published. Highly influential on these decisions. I mean, yes. And so that brings me to, you said, um, sure, if people, you know, we're having a tiny bit of dairy and really good grains and really good protein, really good vegetables, the problem is like, we're getting our vegetables cut up in a bag with sauce poured all over it. And, you know, we're eating. If that. Right. If that. Right. And so it's like, yeah, it's a whole nother topic for conversation. Okay. So what about, I know you all work with clients. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do you want to share um, in terms of like options or what you offer as we close out? Yes. So um, in our practice, Married to Health, we have five dietitians total specializing in various things, in metabolic disease, mindful eating, intuitive eating, disordered eating. I specialize in SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or 
fungal overgrowth or methanogenic overgrowth, and IBS. So I specialize in SIBO and IBS for females and those who either are vegetarian, vegan, predominantly plant-based, plant-curious as well, but are struggling to add those plant foods to their life because of their digestive symptoms. Okay. Yeah. And then as far as that, yeah, marytelt.com. With that, we do one-on-one virtual visits. We're going to be doing some other fun stuff next year as well as courses and things like that. And you can connect with us there at marytelt.com. And we're excited as well. We're launching, we've launched a new product partnering with Complement, but it is an organic gut complement. So we don't even want to call it a supplement, but it has things like organic ginger, B vitamins, other trace minerals, and things that can support that good balance in your gut and that good movement in your gut. So we're really excited. We wanted to do it, but we wanted to do it right. It's in a 100% compostable package. All of the ingredients are third-party tested, all organic. So we really wanted to offer what I wish I had when I started having gut issues years ago and no longer have, but what I really was hoping would be available for my clients. So we're super stoked for our gut nurture powder to be tried by so many people. Well, congratulations. It's very exciting because I know there's a lot that goes into creating products. And I love the fact that I kid you not, every brand that I talk to and every So these people out there creating these products to help Americans, especially gain control of their life, become the CEO of their health. They have stories like yours where they've gone through this themselves and they've tried all these things and they're helping others. So it's truly amazing watching both of you married to health, married to each other, helping everyone. My last question I want to leave you with that I ask everyone is, what was your wake up moment in life? Like when did you guys decide that you had to do something to help people? Yeah, I think... It was when, yeah, when I was at my lowest, I was a morbidly obese child. I had joint pain, allergies. And when I was able to overcome all that, it's like you come out of it, but then you still see everyone around you struggling with those things. And that was my moment of like, whoa, like Mm -hmm. so many don't know this. And that was like, I got to do something. It's like, great. I learned to swim. Now let me try to go back out there and save people who don't know how to swim, right? (laughs) Mine is so similar. Mine came at being a 17-year-old who was obese and constantly sick, gut issues. And in one day, I was diagnosed with several things. I was diagnosed pre-diabetic. I had polycystic ovarian syndrome. I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I was diagnosed with high cholesterol. And I was given three prescriptions. And I was told, here you go take these for the rest of your life. If you ever want to try to plan to have kids, you are going to need more medication. And I just knew that was my moment where I wanted to change my life. And then when I figured out how to help myself, I knew I had to share it with others because there were so many others who were on my same path. Mm -hmm. Wow. You guys gave me goosebumps. Well, you're two beautiful people. Everybody, you need to go follow on Instagram, Married to Health. Go to marriedtohealth.com. Um, if you like to check them out, remember you heard it from both James and Dahlia Marin that it's critical to every part of your body's functioning properly. So take care of you, take care of your gut. Visit jensmiley.com to learn more about what we do here at Wake Up and Read the Labels. We help revolutionize the way you grocery shop so that you can find foods made with real ingredients. Many, many thanks to both of you today. And I look forward to staying in touch with you. Okay. Happy anniversary. Definitely. Thank, Thank you so you, much, Jen. Jen. So nice being here with you. Of course. Have a super weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you too. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Thank you.